Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we talk about all things OCD. If you're looking for help, download my free OCD Survival Kit. It's packed with resources and bonus worksheets to support you on your journey. Go to www.coreresults.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer's show. Today with me, I have Sarah Carr. She's the founder and director of Mindful SF, a wellness clinic in San Francisco that provides evidence-based treatments for OCD and anxiety-related issues alongside mindfulness and compassion-focused training. In her clinical work, Sarah specializes in acceptance and commitment therapy, exposure and response prevention, and compassion-focused therapy. She's a certified mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher through Brown University and is also trained as a mindful self-compassion teacher. Sarah has nearly a decade of experience with mindfulness and contemplative practices and has attempted over, attended over a dozen multi-day residential mindfulness retreats. She's passionate about making mindfulness accessible and about the integration of evidence-based frameworks for the treatment of anxiety-related issues. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks, Christina. It's so nice to be here. Absolutely. So I did have you on like a couple of years ago, I think. And, you know, we talked a little bit back then about mindfulness, but, you know, I really do see you as somebody who, especially with all this training that I just, you know, named somebody who really kind of delved deep into this concept of mindfulness and mindfulness-based and mindfulness-based stress reduction. I think people hear all those different words and I'll be honest, I definitely have clients and just the audience um, asking questions like, what exactly is mindfulness-based work for OCD? Maybe if we can just start with more of a, I guess, general overview, and then kind of how how would that help for people with OCD? Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of these kind of ways you're describing mindfulness, they can be fleshed out in all sorts of different ways. And so really in thinking about mindfulness-based work for OCD, Um, I think what I'm considering most is bringing a more full and open present moment attention into whatever it is that you're doing. And so um, in traditional exposure and response prevention, a lot of times what we're doing in the treatment of OCD is we're moving towards things that might feel uncomfortable. We're moving towards things that are uncomfortable in service of getting closer to living life the way that we want to be. Um, And while we're moving towards those things, there's all sorts of things happening in present moment experience. So integrating mindfulness into that framework is really around being open to whatever arises in the present moment, whether that be thoughts or feelings or sensations or sounds, um, whatever is actually coming up in the moment. And really creating open space for that, including unwanted or difficult feelings, which are things that we sometimes encounter when we're doing the OCD and anxiety related work. Well, so I guess if I'm hearing you and and I'm imagining anybody listening now, part of the takeaway from that is when we're talking about mindfulness and especially how it would help people with OCD, it's really learning to accept the moment and accept whatever's in the moment. Like whether it's I'm having a certain feeling, whatever that feeling might be, because as we all know, though I have to say recently, I saw some posts where people seems like they didn't know that, you know, in OCD, it's not always anxiety. It can be guilt. It can be shame. It can be embarrassment. It can be, you know, disgust. Um, But if you're having some some sort of strong feeling, emotional response, mindfulness would be a, a strategy, a tool, an awareness, I guess, to bring to that 
and allow that to be. Absolutely. And it really has this quality of not just allowing it to be, but inviting it in and understanding that difficult feelings, whether they're things like fear or disgust, um, or we could even talk about feelings like anger, shame, um, they're all part of the human experience. And so mindfulness really, it, it not only creates space for them, but invites us to welcome them in, um, let them be part of our process and also to create a non-judgmental space for those feelings too. Because it can often be the case that we might have a feeling that's really difficult. And then what we try so hard to do is to get rid of it or to resist it. And sometimes in OCD, we're resisting it through engagement and compulsions. So mindfulness is really the opposite of resistance in this context um, in terms of just creating a space and welcoming the feeling in whatever that feeling may be. So you said a word that I want to circle to because I know definitely everybody listening, this is like a number one question I get from my audience, which is when we say do it non-judgmentally, what does that really mean? And how the heck do you do that? Right? Because you, we hear that all the time, but everybody always asks, well, but what and how? Like, I don't get it. So can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So embedded in the definition actually by John Kabat-Zinn, who created mindfulness-based stress reduction, is this idea of non-judgmental, open, present awareness. And the way that I look at non-judgment or, you know, doing, welcoming feelings in without judgment is more about noticing when we are judging feelings. So we are very primed in our culture, in our society, that certain feelings are good and certain feelings are bad, right? So anxiety or fear or disgust would fall in the category of this sort of unwanted or bad feeling that we need to get rid of. So because of that, when it arises in our experience, there can be the tendency to judge it as bad. Like, oh my God, I'm having this feeling. It's bad. I need to get rid of it. And so part of moving towards a non-judgmental open awareness process is actually just catching that you are judging it. And judging is a natural part of the human experience as well. So I think it's unrealistic to say that we would, we would never be judging. Um, and it actually wouldn't be safe for us to never be judging. It's, it's a necessary survival tactic. But to say that we can start to bring awareness into the judgment. And if we can see that we're doing that, then we have more of an opportunity to be what I like to call an objective noticer observer. Um, so we can step out of judgment often involves a lot of interpretation, right? Um, opinion about something. And with mindfulness, we're really looking at stepping back into this more objective noticer observer versus interpreter. Got it. Okay. That's a great actual explanation. Um, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense in terms of them being able to notice, just bring awareness to the feeling, whatever that feeling is, kind of name it, and then realize that you have the power or control to either start to label it. And depending on the label you give it, you'll start to have other feelings about it. So kind of like realizing that whole process and where you could intervene. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes when we experience a feeling, we experience it in our body. So there's a way in which it can be objectively described if we get really curious about it. So anxiety, for example, if I'm feeling really nervous or anxious, 
I might notice it in my chest or my belly. I might notice some tightness. And so one thing that we can do to step into that objective noticer is notice it for what it is. What is the quality of the sensory experience that I'm having? So often we have anxiety and rather than noticing it objectively, we start interpreting it and we might move into a story about what the anxiety means or what will happen to us because I'm feeling this feeling. And so we're kind of dropping that interpretation bit and then coming back to what's the actual experience of anxiety itself Um, and emotions. They actually live in the present moment in the body. And so uh, that's a great way to access them for what they actually are, uh, which is a bunch of sensory experiences that are happening in the body uh, that are then impacted by the thoughts that we have around them. I think this is so rich and wonderful. Um, and this leads me to my next question. So we're, we're, we've been talking more about just mindfulness and the, the general kind of principles. And of course, that word, you know, how do we not judge it? I know that there's another term that's out there, MBSR. Uh, I mean, there's, I think, <laughs> in the therapy world, I'll say there's so many acronyms. We're like filled with them. But MBSR, right? We see that as well. So what is that? How does it work? How is that? Is that like mindfulness for OCD? Is that different? How does it, what, what, where would it fit? Yeah. So MBSR stands for mindfulness based stress reduction. And what MBSR is, is it's actually a structured eight week program. And so it's a very specific mindfulness course that takes place over eight weeks of time. It's two and a half hours a week. And then there's a day long retreat. Um, and John Kabat-Zinn, who I was mentioning before, is the creator of mindfulness-based stress reduction. So as a mindfulness-based stress reduction, you can think of as an actual class that has a ton of different mindfulness practices within it. Um, but that term in and of itself is, is an umbrella for the course, the program. Um, and typically, I think that program can be absolutely incredibly beneficial uh, for people struggling with OCD. And it would really be thought of as an adjunct treatment for if you were, let's say, working with an individual therapy for something like exposure and response prevention. You could take an MBSR class to get a ton of foundational knowledge and experience with various present moment mindfulness skills. That's wonderful. Um, And I'm sure anybody listening, they might be curious if you could maybe give us a little teaser, like what could be one or two um, things that would be covered in a course like that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's all sorts of foundational present moment mindfulness practice. The course teaches both informal and formal mindfulness practices. So uh, a lot of it is around attending to present moment experience through the sensory world. I was mentioning that before. So there's a practice called the body scan in the class uh, where you learn to be aware of various body sensations Um, There are present moment practices around hearing meditation and uh, seeing and feeling. There's even practices around mindfulness of thinking and mindfulness of emotions. Um, And then we also talk a lot about the neurobiological underpinnings for stress um, and our stress response and what's actually happening in the body when we experience stress. Uh, And so there's all sorts of little kind of practical ways that we can respond differently to stress when it shows up through the use of mindfulness. Um, And then informal practices like mindful walking and mindful yoga uh, and mindful eating. So, you know, as I'm talking about it, you can see that 
mindfulness can be quite expansive. And uh, really, there's all sorts of ways to access it. So the course does a really nice job of learning various ways that you can tap into that skill that is really innate to all of us, um, but sometimes just needs support with cultivating. Yeah. And, and, you know, first of all, I think that's incredible. And I think it's it, kind of a takeaway I'm getting too is, and I'm sure anybody listening is when we talk about mindfulness, it really is a state of being. And so being able to start to live out of that state and practice being in that state pretty much to, to be there more often than not and come back to that more often than not really just seems like the key. Whether, like you said, you could be eating, you could be brushing your teeth, you could be like right now we're talking, right? Um, you know, one, one thing that popped up and I'm sure people might've probably had this question in their mind as they're listening, like all those sounds so wonderful, but then, you know, the compulsive nature of OCD, I can't help, but have that question of, you know, what if, and it's not just sensory motor OCD, but you know, what if, you know, somebody, um, starts to, or wants to use any of that compulsively, um, Mm -hmm. how would that be, I guess, addressed or what, what, what are some thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for one, I I think mindfulness, it can, these practices can be of of benefit because they're really inviting us to step out of doing or fixing and into just being and allowing. And so compulsions are really generally all about doing and fixing, right? So if we have the urge to engage in a compulsion while we're doing one of these practices, it can actually be really supportive for not for watching that urge as part of what's arising without necessarily acting on it. Um, But I think your question is about what if people use mindfulness as a compulsion? Is that right? Right, because you can can start to say, okay, I'm going to now do my, you know, like hearing and make sure I'm hearing. And if I'm not, okay, I have certainty, I'm good. Like I I don't have to then worry about X, Y, Z. Or I'm going to compulsively start to keep checking my hearing, let's say. So, right. So that now we're clearly not quite doing mindfulness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what would you say to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to check in with why am I doing this practice and what is it, what is it getting me closer to? So am I doing mindfulness in order to get rid of anxiety or am I doing it to feel more connected to myself and to uh, feel more present and aware with what's actually happening for me. And so um, I I think it's kind of a fine line to be dancing and each person really needs to be checking in with their own self around what's the function of me using this. So if I'm using it to be more connected with myself, I probably won't be feeling that sense of urgency or need to do it where it feels slightly uncomfortable. Uh, Maybe I'm feeling sort of a rapid increase in my heart rate just around even thinking about doing mindfulness and there's like a need like I must do that or else so that might be a time where that might not be the best thing to do it might be better to kind of back off of that practice for some time Um, but if it's actually just me taking space for myself it's helping me to reconnect uh, with whatever is happening for me not fix what's happening for me um, then it can you know that's I think it has more of a benefit when used in that context. So we always want to be aware of like why we're using it. Um, and obviously most people are using mindfulness. It's, you know, of course they want to just feel good, right? Like that makes so much sense. Um, but the point of mindfulness is actually not to feel good. Uh, sometimes you might feel good or relaxed as a product of engaging in a mindfulness practice. 
but sometimes you you won't. And the point is to actually create space for whatever your experience is. And as humans, sometimes we're going to feel good and relaxed and sometimes we're going to feel really stressed out. So uh, mindfulness supports us with creating an open space for any and all of that. I love it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for kind of delving a little deeper into all this. And I'm, I hope anybody listening that you guys got some good little nuggets out of this. Um, and so, Sarah, if people want to find you, how can they find you? Yeah, the best way to find me is on our website, probably at mindfulsf.com. Um, we also have an Instagram, mindfulsf, and I, I can share all the information with you. But Instagram, website, those are all great places. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want to take your recovery journey to the next level, our online class, Be OCD Free ERP Mindset, may be the right thing for you. It features video lessons, journal prompts, and worksheets designed to help you break the OCD cycle. Access it now and start thriving today at www.coreresults.com forward slash e-learning. All links are in the show notes.